And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the basics. And those truths are what we have to return to time and time and time again to make sure that we remember those, that we practice those basics. Because if we don't start with step one, steps two through 78 won't mean a whole lot if we don't go to the, the, the root of our unity, which is our unity in Christ Jesus. That's, that's pretty basic. We have to be spiritual beings in unity with Christ first. Then we can go on to the next steps. So let's talk about step two. The next slide, Ann. Paul continues and he says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. What Paul's telling this group is that everything that we think, everything we say, everything that we do as a church, as a group of people, as a small group, as a group of two or three, everything has to be united in the context of unity with Christ. Once we have unity in Christ, then we can build unity as a church. I notice in this line he says, being like-minded, having the same love. Does that mean we have to think identically? No, of course not. Does it mean that we are equally mature Christians? No. Um, does it mean we can never disagree? Well, I hope not, because um, I disagree with people all the time, and we have unity with them. The apostles didn't have unity, they didn't have unanimity. They disagreed on who was going to take Judas's place in the, the apostle pew uh, as they were forming that new church. So, uh, they actually cast lots. I'm not saying that we do that as we're looking for our next senior pastor. I don't have a, a set of dice in my pocket, and we'll figure that out as we go. Does it mean we have the same talents and abilities? Not at all. In fact, the opposite. God made us all, God created us all differently so that once we have unity, it's our diversity that can strengthen us in unity and grow as a church. So what do we do with this unity? Last slide, in. He wraps up this theme and he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. That's familiar. I think I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, I think that's Jesus Christ's job description. Because ultimately, Jesus Christ is the one that was putting our interests above his own, that sought to serve all of us, that sought to serve others. And so what Paul's really doing, he's wrapping up this theme and he's saying, well, if you want church unity, you need to have individual unity with Jesus Christ and, need, and you need to be like him. You need to follow that word, the apple falling close to the tree. All we have to do is use Christ as our example as we're seeking unity as a church. And that's the first, second, and third step that we have to conduct ourselves with. As Mark comes up to share some additional thoughts, I haven't really covered new ground here, but just like the baseball players, it's good to get back to the basics time and time again if we're going to lead ourselves in unity forward as a church. How many people here have heard of the Three Musketeers? 
you remember their famous saying is they would utter to themselves as they raised their swords, one for all and all for one. Um, as they raised their swords, one for all, all for one, these words immediately took into action an unbreakable bond that they would share together no matter what they encountered in life. With this being said, here at Dillon Community Church, we've been blessed with not three musketeers, but seven. And they're all here on the elder board working together for unity. What is unity? In John, we read John 15, 4 through 8, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No, no branch can bear fruit by itself on the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and in my words, remain in, in, in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And what this means in John is that when we abide in Christ's commandments in our lives, we will flourish and grow. We are connected to the vine. Disconnecting ourselves from the vine is really saying that we have chosen uh, to separate ourselves from God, and it leaves us empty and thirsty. So how can we accomplish this in the church body, keeping as unity as our focus? One is worshiping together, spending time in daily prayer, which is essential. Committing our time to serve, be it here in DCC or other places. Communicating with our Dillon community family about their spiritual needs and desires. Pursuing one another in love. Reaching out in friendship to those from our past as well as pursuing new friendships and making an effort to pursue those new friendships. Our best intentions cannot be reached by ourselves. And it is only possible to reach unity in our spiritual lives when we totally surrender everything we know about ourselves to know everything we know about Him. And with that, we can rest assured that that unity will come together. Thank you. Matt? Well, a lot of people here for the 1030 service. I thought everybody would be out skiing in the powder by now. So wishful thinking, I guess. Uh, but thank you for being here. Um, so I wanted to just talk a little bit this morning about uh, one of our favorite subjects that's a uh, confrontation. So I know everybody loves that just as much as I do. It's uh, certainly not one of my strengths. But this is something that we deal with in the church, and it's something that we deal with as individuals day to day. The uh, And this is something that actually is a big part really important about with unity. Um, as we go into this, there's the Bible talks about confrontation in a number of, number of places. In the Old Testament, it's uh, more along the lines of uh, 
Lord, please smite my enemies. Um, but in the, in the New Testament, Christ talks about confrontation, and uh, he has some, some really good uh, ways to approach this. As we look at Matthew 18, verse 15 through 20, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. This, is, uh, this really speaks to me uh, personally, I know, is a look toward uh, confronting somebody on something that's either hurt me or it could just be something that's, a, 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 for lack of a better word, a rebuke to a brother if we see somebody that's strained from where the, the word is. And who is this that we're talking to? This is our brother or sister in Christ. These are mature Christians. This is the approach that you take towards a, towards a mature Christian. Um, that you that you love and that you know it's important that you know this individual when you go forward with this. So, um, you, then you also want to make sure that you examine your your heart. You want to make sure that your your motives are correct. Why are you going to this? Why are you going through the through the trouble of this? Uh, as we heard earlier, do nothing out of vain selfish ambition or vain conceit. So. Uh, you can just see if you if you do this in confidence, that's the next bit that you go and you you, you confront this this individual in confidence, and also important because there might be something in uh, in this involvement or in this uh, confrontation that might be something you need to change. You might have something that's o- you opened your eyes. If you're on the other side of this, you need to be able to be con- confronted on things. Uh, Psalms 141.5 says, Let a righteous man strike me, it is kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil on my head. So this is just a, a way to just really be open and open our hearts to, uh, to sometimes being, uh, being confronted on some of these things. So, furthermore, uh, that verse goes on to say that if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So there's a lot of power in unity here. There's a lot of power in coming together, and this is something that uh, you might have to take this next step. And again, this is done in, in confidence. This is done in a, in, a, in a matter that's honoring to the person that's, that's being confronted, and uh, this is something we need to try to avoid gossip. Gossip is something that... Uh, I know that I've that uh, you know I've even struggled with. Uh, it's it's something that comes comes natural, and we we can justify it through through seeking counsel or venting. But it's really important to try to keep these things amongst ourselves. So um, going on in that verse, it continues on in uh, in Matthew here to say that that again I say to you, if two or you agree agree on earth about anything. It will be done for them by the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Very important for us to come together and to, to work through things. And to have, There's so much power in agreement. Uh, there's a refrigerator magnet at my parents' house that says, Don't go to bed angry. Stay up and fight. So, <laughs> and there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom in that, actually. There's so often that... Uh, you know, I might have something that I'm, I'm upset about with, you know, my, with my wife. I, I know I probably never get upset at her, but uh, anyway, she, 
You know, so I, I bring that, I finally bring that out, and it just brings so much healing, even though it might actually result in a fight for a little while. Uh, it brings so much healing. I'm able to realize that I'm wrong, and then we move on. <laughs> so, um, but, so, power and agreement, if we're working and living according to God's will, and, uh, uh, and, and working towards making His will happen in our lives together, there's going to be great peace in that and great power in that. Good morning. I'm glad uh, Matt got to speak about confrontation. <laughs> well, well done. Um, Ephesians 4.3 states that we as a body of believers should make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In my study notes in my Bible, it says that God produced this unity through the reconciling death of Jesus Christ. And that given this sacrifice, it is our heavy responsibility as Christians to keep that unity from being disturbed. Let me read that again. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We uh, lead pretty simple lives and easy lives here in, in uh, Summit County. We don't have to do uh, great measures to get up and going in the morning. Maybe have to get a little powder off the windshield and shovel the walk. But we don't really have to make every effort. We don't have to go out of our way that way to make things happen. In the movie Apollo 13... You may remember it's this 1970 story about uh, Apollo 13 mission. That was the third moon launch uh, effort that we had. After three days in space, Apollo astronauts Jim Lovell, Fred Hayes, and Jack Swigert finally approached their long-cherished destination when suddenly the spacecraft's power and guidance systems go down and the supply of oxygen begins to dwindle. The trio now face a grim reality. Their crippled capsule, stranded 205,000 miles in space, might never return to Earth. We've got a lot of folks here that uh, participate in search and rescue. Uh, 205,000 miles away from Earth, nobody's going to be able to get up there and rescue those folks. But uh, there's a line in that movie when the flight director, Gene Kranz, defiantly states, Failure is not an option. They were going to find a way to get those folks home, regardless what it took. They would make every effort to make that happen because they understood that failure was not an option. So why are we called to unity? There are really three reasons that I think that we're called to unity in the body. The first is that we're called to keep the unity through the bond of peace. We all understand the destructive force of conflict, whether it be sibling rivalry or civil war. My brother and I had uh, many conflicts as we grew up. He's four years older than I am. And every time I went around a corner, I lived in fear because he'd stand and wait and hit me in the stomach and just kind of laugh as I doubled over. Uh, one night in Hayes, Kansas, about uh, midnight after I was fuming all day because he had been picking on me, I rolled over and hit him in the face as hard as I could. Um, my, my brief moment of glory, but it did nothing to end that conflict. <laughs> uh, 
Tyler Vosser spoke about uh, God's view of uh, peace uh, a number of years ago here at Iron Hour. He talked about uh, the biblical view of shalom. And he said that peace is not an absence of conflict. It's not the absence of war. But that peace is the deep recognition of God's truth, His presence, and the reality of His guiding hand in our lives. That is the peace that we want to find through Jesus Christ and through being unified with one another. Second reason is that being unified conforms us to His image. Ephesians 4.13 states that united in the Spirit, we mature to attain the whole measure of fullness in Christ. We're called to be conformed to His likeness. In Romans 8.29 and 8.30, it reads that for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. Those that He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. Being glorified is a painful process. We have to be in submission. We have to put the interests of the body in front of those of our own. The third reason I think that we're being called to be unified is that it allows us to be an effective uh, witness to the world. It allows us to be um, to reflect God's love and to do great things. Uh, I think great things can be accomplished in unity. Over the last year here at Dillon Community Church, we have not had a pastor to lead us, but I think that uh, the body has continued to move forward. We've seen uh, the Benevolence and Food Bank uh, provide, continue to provide great services to the community. We've got a growing children's ministry. We've purchased the vet building next door. We've added new members. Two weeks ago, we had a line of new members up here that had joined the church. In short, we are living our mission. You'll remember our mission that's etched on the windows out there. First, that uh, growing in our intimacy uh, with God. Second, developing a caring community of believers. And third, going passionately to show God's love to the world. How cool is that, that we've made that sort of progress over this last year? So I think that there are a few tools for um, promoting unity that we need to take a look at. Some of these have already been touched on, but I'm going to touch on them again. The first is that we need to recognize that what we're doing is important, that our ministries in this church are important, that our growing closer to each other and uh, to God is important and that uh, we need to continue to strive uh, to do that. Second tool is that we need to ensure that we have good communication and an open and rational way of making decisions in this church. And Tim's going to talk in a little bit about transition efforts and uh, how I think that we uh, are and uh, will have uh, communication opportunities to the body as far as what's going on with the transition group. Uh, the third is that we need to listen to and honor various perspectives and interests, especially those that are different than ours. And fourth, and maybe most important, is that we need to pray like crazy to help us recognize God's direction, to uh, recognize that uh, only through the unity of the body are we going to be effective in furthering the uh, kingdom mission, 
And third, that we need to be uh, pray to be in submission. So my appeal and prayer is that we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit here at Dillon Community Church so that we can personally witness God's peace, that we can be conformed to His likeness, that we can continue to do great works in the community, and that we can be a witness of love and effectiveness. When it comes to preserving our unity at this church, I think that failure is not an option. Tim? Thanks, Steve. And I think we may want to take this opportunity just to give these guys a round of applause for the work that they've done on this. This is outside our bailiwick, as the saying goes, and um, none of us really have any intentions of being preachers. Thank goodness for you guys. Um, So how does this sermon today, though, apply to us? What does it mean in regards to DCC this time, this day? Well, Kevin started off with an analogy regarding sports. I'll do the same. It's sort of like we're in the latter part of the fourth quarter. We've got two minutes left. Uh, the Broncos really deserve to be in the Super Bowl. No, sorry. I didn't, I didn't want, mean to say that. Um, after almost six months of... Um, the transition team working, um, we feel like that we're nearing the end of this process to pick a senior pastor. Many of you guys are aware of where we are in the process, but if you're not, I'm going to give you a little update today of where we are. Each candidate um, has been carefully considered, um, over 117 applied, uh, and at least five men have made the cut and have been personally interviewed by this team. We have contacted uncounted uh, references, heard many, many sermons, we've deliberated, we've cried a little, and we have prayed a lot to seek God's guidance and will in this matter. Many hours have have been spent pouring over resumes and discussing the pros and cons of all these qualified men and any of which could lead our church. During the process, uh, our transition team has been through some highs and lows. But when this is complete, and despite all our faults and biases that all humans have, I feel confident that our team will be in unity when we make this recommendation. We're down to just a few good men now. If all continues to progress... Uh, we should be ready to make a recommendation in the next two weeks to the elder board. After the team recommends a candidate to the elder board, they, they will decide whether or whether or not to affirm the decision and then call the man to come with his spouse to take care of the rest of the process. They'll be here at least eight days speaking at both Sunday services. Um, there will be meetings with the elder board, with ministry teams, with staff and with many of you guys, whoever you choose to, how many ever choose to get involved. More than adequate time will be reserved to meet and greet at lunches and dinners and other events during that week's time. At the end of the second Sunday, we'll hold a congregational meeting, and after that meeting, vote 
on whether to hire this individual or not. Due to the number of out-of-state members that we have, we are considering doing, uh, a, a, and the board has talked about this at our last meeting, um, a simulcast to try to involve those individuals that are not able to physically be here in the seats, but they will be able to be here uh, via electronic means, hopefully. Uh, and Tom Frazier is working on that right now. This event could occur in April um, or May, more likely, and assuming overwhelming support and confirmation by the body, that will complete that phase of the search process. As you probably know, uh, we have been through some times of difficulty the last few years. God knew that we would face these difficulties. Uh, he may not have planned it that way, but he certainly allowed it. In Romans 8.28, in the famous passage, Paul makes it clear to us, and we know that in all good things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. While we may not understand the whys and hows of why God called our last pastor and whether he was called away or not, God has promised to make good of the experience. Many of us were and perhaps still are, angry or hurting about what happened. There also may be unresolved differences and difficulties that still exist in the body that we need to work through. But whether we all agree with some parts or of the past events or we disagree, we all are and acknowledge that we must come together now in unity and the Spirit and keep moving forward. These are but a few examples, by the way, of some things that are working together for good that Steve alluded to a moment ago that I'd like to expand on just briefly. One, we had almost 30 members uh, apply for new membership in the last couple of months. In addition, there are a number of other people that are expressing the same desires now. To use a markism, as I call it, you got to be kidding me. Who would do that at a time like this? And it does beg the question, and I think it, it is answered by the fact that this is a vibrant, healthy body of believers that are looking to Christ. And it's attractive to other people, and I commend you for that. Number two, God has provided for the funds for us to purchase a property next door in a time of uncertainty. Uh, I'd like to take a moment Regarding that, to bring you up to date, by the way, on Thursday last week and Saturday yesterday, Tom Frazier and Mark Hill organized a youth work day um, to attempt to do some work that needs to be done at the building next door. The individuals, the kids that were involved, the youth that were involved, I'd like to recognize today. And there were adults there as well. You know who you are. But uh, I'd like to at least recognize the kids. Justine Gurley, Ruth Hunsinger, George Hunsinger, Henry Hunsinger, Ben Hull, Marlo Provorce, R.J. Bristol, Madison Bristol, Rachel Bristol, Marissa Kushno, Nick Kushno, and Noah Glasgow. I worked with these kids on last Thursday and Saturday, and I'll tell you, I'm really proud of what they did representing our church. And that's another testament to unity in the body, starting with our youth. 
Number three, we have a very competent, unified church staff that has held this body together during the last couple of years. We have no intention to change our staff. We should be honoring and thanking them for their service, however, during this time. It's been a tough time for them, for sure. Number four, Dr. G and Pastor Mark Hill have been a stabilizing, godly influence during this time, and then have kept us on spiritual track, and I'm thankful for that, and I know you are too. And lastly, some of you have been very faithful in your time and stepped up to fill gaps in our ministry needs. These and other blessings are ones to be truly thankful for during this time. You know, one other thing, even after this sermon today, I feel like we need to have just a little more definition about the, the, the word unity and what it means. It doesn't mean that we are necessarily in complete agreement about everything, and we are foolish to think that that can happen anyway, although we could be. Unity, on the other hand, does mean that we are in harmony with God's plan and His will. The man we hire as senior pastor will have to be equipped and passionate about dealing with this issue. But no matter who is chosen as our new pastor, some may still not be happy or may be disappointed about the decision that's made. As a man, our pastor can't possibly be all things to all people, nor can he do everything into perfection. He's going to have failings. He's going to have shortcomings simply because God sees fit to use a man. And in most cases, the weakest of men are used. As a man with a divine call, however, he should be treated as God's servant. And inasmuch as his mission is to proclaim the gospel of Christ, we all owe him our cooperation and our prayer support to make his ministry as effective as it can be. God commanded us to put away all our selfish thoughts. It's not about me, and it's not about you. We are called to die to self and live for Christ. That is what I hope to do, and will pray for you as well as we search for the joy that is the result of this process. As Christ prayed for all believers in the book of John, I do for you as well. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Please pray with me. Father, a simple man stands here offering a simple prayer that you would grant us unity in this body and that we would honor you in what we say and what we do, how we act, 
how we treat other people during this process that's before us now. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.